In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you so much. Um, hi, I am H, um, also known as Henrietta, although no one actually ever calls me that. Um, it's so lovely to be here. I'm normally at the 11. Um, I, for those of you who don't know me, I've got three children, um, Rafferty, Eloise, and Ottilie, and um, I'm basically a jack of all trades. I'm ordained, but I'm a full-time mum, but I also do a bit of interior design on the side. So depending on the day, I'm a different person. Um, <clears throat> today, we're going to carry on the series that we've been looking at. So we've been basically looking at the gospel um, through lots of different lenses. And um, we today are looking at this idea of being empowered by the gospel um, and essentially looking at this idea of the Holy Spirit empowering us to go and witness, tell people the story of the gospel. Um, so I am just going to pray um, and then we'll speak. Lord, I thank you for this time um, to come together and I pray that you would come now, that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through me and that we would have soft hearts to hear what you are saying. Amen. Um, so I found myself in aid of this talk um, Googling Olympic relay races um, this week. And um, I didn't find any interesting ones to show you. But I did find out that in 2016, um, the American women's team, who had trained for years, were expected to win. In round one, as they were running, did that thing you don't do if you're an Olympic relay race runner. You drop the baton. They dropped the baton. Amazingly, luckily for them, um, they were allowed to continue on because apparently someone else had nudged one of the runners. And they went on to win gold. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of going to a children's sports day. Mainly aged kind of five, four, six-year-olds. It's hilarious. It is like a treat to behold. And they try and get these children to do relay races. Now, if you've ever seen one, there's normally one child who is totally on it. And they're normally the youngest of many siblings. They're competitive, they know what the deal is. The rest of the children, it's 50-50, whether they have any idea what they're meant to be doing. Some of the children, it comes to their turn to take the baton and to run, and they're literally looking elsewhere. They have no clue that they're meant to be doing anything. Others are so keen for their turn to run 
that they're readily awaiting the moment, and then they just run, but they don't take the baton. The race is void. Now, in, um, if you look through the Bible, there's this baton that's passed. The story of God's love is passed from different people to be revealed to the world. So you start with the Israelites, the chosen nation, chosen to show this is what it looks like to be the people of God, to be loved by God. Then you have the prophets prophesying that this Messiah is going to come and bring salvation. Then you have Jesus himself. He's come to earth to show the world his love, to show the world that they can be saved through him. And during his earthly ministry, he brings on board the 12 disciples. And he teaches them, he trains them, he shows them what it is to know him. They witness his death on the cross. They witness him being brought back to life. They, they see his risen body. And in this passage, we see Jesus handing the baton to them. He's saying, it's now your turn to run. It is now your turn to go and tell the story of my love to the world, the story of the gospel. But he says, but wait, don't run until you've got the baton. Go to Jerusalem and wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you can run. And I just want to reread um, the sort of three key verses that we're looking at tonight. Um, so it's verses 6 to 8, and they'll, hopefully they'll come up. Yeah, here we go. So the, the disciples are with Jesus. Now these words that I'm about to read that Jesus says, they are the last recorded words that we have of Jesus. So they're pretty important. So it says this, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Just a side point, the disciples, despite having been with Jesus through all of his earthly ministry, they've seen him risen from the dead. They're still pretty confused at this point. They're still certain that Jesus is going to bring this political earthly restoration of the kingdom of Israel. That's still what their mentality is. They've got it slightly wrong. And Jesus carries on. He says to them in verse 7, he says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Basically what he's saying is, one, you're still in thinking about the wrong things, but two, it's really not your business. The Father is one that holds the authority. He's the one that knows the times, the dates, the purpose. He says, this is what I want you to think about. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus wants the disciples to focus on. His last words that we see recorded. That this power is going to come and that they're going to go out and be witnesses. There's these two key words in this passage. Power and witness. And I don't know about you, but subconsciously, probably, for me, it's easier to focus on this word, witness. It's a familiar word. I understand the remit that I, as a Christian, that we, as the church, are called to be witnesses. It might be quite a daunting prospect, but it's quite a kind of, it's a prospect we can, you know, idea we can get our heads around. It feels a fairly safe idea. But actually, the word power 
It's more mysterious. It's potentially more daunting. We approach it with caution. We don't really know what we're dealing with. And so that's the word that I want to focus on tonight. If we know Jesus, if we have encountered Jesus, we will want to tell others. It's the natural next step. And in some ways, um, in this talk series, we've sort of reached the same juncture that the disciples have in this passage. So the disciples, they've walked with Jesus, they've seen him die, they've seen him risen, they've just spent these 40 days, this long period of time, with Jesus in his risen body. They're buoyed up. They are full of him. They are ready to go out and tell people. We've just heard over the last three weeks, and if you haven't heard some of them, I really encourage you to go back and listen to them. But we've heard about the gospel. We've heard that we've been saved by the gospel, that we've been liberated by the gospel, that we are inspired by the gospel, that we know it is true for every single person. If we've encountered Jesus, we're ready to go and tell people. The disciples are ready to go and tell people. But if we go without this power, then our witness will be ineffective. First, before we start running, we need to take the power. We need to receive this power, just as the disciples did. He says, wait in Jerusalem. So we're going to look at this power. What is this power? Well, the word used here, it comes from the Greek word dynamis, which basically means dynamite. So it kind of gives you the idea of what this kind of power is that we're dealing with. It's the same power that was there from the beginning of time. This power is the power that breathed life into our world. God's power that created the world that we see. It's the same power that led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. It's the same power that spoke through the prophets. It's the same power that breathed life into Mary's womb so that God could become human flesh, so that he could be on this earth. It's the same power that raised Lazarus to life. It's the same power that when Jesus died on the cross, defeated sin, defeated death, and rose Jesus back to life. This is the power that we are talking about. And Jesus says to the disciples, now I'm going to take this power, and through the Holy Spirit... I'm going to put this power in you so that when you go out to be witnesses, you're not going out in your own strength. You're not going out as just these natural bodies, but you have this supernatural power in you, the power of God, the power of the gospel that will then flow through you and be able to transform the lives of others to the ends of the earth. This power is its power that changes everything. It can transform everything. It can break down any barrier. And I wanted to look with you at just two short incidents in Acts so that we can see what actually happens when the disciples are filled with the Spirit. So in chapter 2, that's when we um, see Pentecost. So they've been in Jerusalem. They've stayed. They've been obedient to God. And the Spirit comes... And the disciples, people think, the people are watching. They think they've gone crazy. They think that they're drunk. 
the disciples have started speaking in this language and it's a different language and yet everybody can hear their own native language through it. And Peter sees these crowds and he sees that they're beginning to say, what is going on here? These people must be drunk. And so Peter decides, having been filled with the Spirit, to stand up and address the crowd. Now, we think he's talking to thousands of people, which we see later on in the passage. And he stands up and he says, it's nine in the morning. Of course we aren't drunk. And then he proceeds to talk to these people. Now, he's talking to Jews at this time about the prophecies that are prophesying this Messiah. He goes on and he talks to them about Jesus, how Jesus is the Messiah, how Jesus died on the cross and was risen again. He tells them the gospel. He tells them everything he's experienced about Jesus. And then he says this in verse 36. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter has just told the crowds that he's talking to that they are responsible for Jesus' death. And yet, at the same time, he goes on to say this. So when the people hear this, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they say, what, what should we do? And Peter says, come and follow Jesus. Repent and be baptized. And look at what happens. Verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This Peter that has just spoken to thousands of people and seen thousands of people come to know Christ is the same Peter that when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he tried to chop the ear of a soldier off to stop the arrest from happening. This is the same Peter that when Jesus had been arrested and people started to recognize Peter and say, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Denied Christ because he was so scared of what might happen to him. But now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's just stood up in front of thousands of people, the same people he was afraid of, and told them the gospel. And people have come to know Jesus. In chapter 3, Peter and John, so they've been filled with the Spirit. The disciples have stayed in Jerusalem, and they're going to the temple nearly every day to praise and worship. And they're on their way to the temple, and they see this lame beggar. And he sits by one of the gates near the temple, and he's there every day begging for money. He can't walk. And people have seen him every day as they go into this temple. And then Peter and John, they walk past him, and they look at him, and it says that he looked at them, this lame beggar, expecting money. And Peter looks at him and he says, well, I don't have any money, but I'll give you what I've got. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he takes this lame beggar by the hand and the beggar stands up and he starts to walk, having not been able to. And he's so amazed at this that he then walks and jumps into the temple and starts praising God. The people around, they don't understand what's happened. They've seen this beggar every day. He couldn't walk. Suddenly, he's walking. And so they come to Peter. And then I think this verse is going to pop up. I'm not sure. Verse 12. This is what Peter says to them when they ask him what's going on. He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? 
says, not me. I didn't do that. It's the power of God living inside me that has enabled this man to walk. This, there is this intimate relationship that you see in the book of Acts between the Holy Spirit and the disciples. Every time some kind of encounter happens, someone comes to know the Lord, a miracle happens, one of them saved from prison, there is nearly always something that cites the power of God being present. The disciples are in this constant sort of conversation with the Holy Spirit, constantly being filled up by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just happen once at Pentecost. All the way through Acts, there are these verses that are just littered with it saying that the disciples came back together and they prayed and were filled again with the Holy Spirit. They keep being refilled. There's this continual partnership between the disciples and the Spirit. So that, that's the sort of picture of what's going on in Acts and what happens after the disciples are filled with this power. What about us? So it's really easy, isn't it, to look at this and just think, well, that's the Bible. I mean, that's the disciples. They had met Jesus. Of course, it's different for them. And in some ways, of course, it's different for them. They met Jesus. But actually, the two fundamental facts are the same. If you look at um, John, it's going to come up, um, chapter 4, verse 23. It says, come on, I'm just going to read it. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. This verse comes in the context of Jesus talking to the disciples, similarly to here, actually, about how he must leave so that the Spirit can come. And this verse tells us that if we choose to love the Father, to follow Jesus, that they will come and live in us by the Holy Spirit. So we know that when we become a Christian, we are also given the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait for it. The disciples, their followers of Jesus, they had this weird period of having to wait until Jesus had gone before Pentecost happened. But actually for us, when we become a Christian, when we profess a faith in Jesus, we're filled with the Spirit. It says in Ephesians that we are given the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. So fact one, we have the same power, the same access to the Holy Spirit that Jesus did. Fact two, our remit as the church is the same as the disciples, to go out and to tell people about Jesus. So it's at this point that I think, okay, so why does my ministry look so different? Um, the other day, I was driving to school, and um, there's a police van behind me started, fired up its um, sirens. And I mean, that's normal, isn't it? There's, there's always a siren going somewhere. And um, so I was just like sat in the car. We were at a red light. And then I noticed that this police van wasn't going anywhere. Um, it was directly behind me. So I thought, I wonder when you know when it's you that's being pulled over. And I looked in my rear view and saw their headlights flashing. I thought, oh, I think that might be me. But I didn't know what to do, so I just kept on sitting there. And then the policeman gets out of the car and came and knocked on the window. So I wound it down and, um, hi. And he said, um, can you pull over there? And I just thought, 
I'm going to be late for school, and also they always do these random checks. So I just said to him, oh, well, my children are on the verge of being late for school. I wouldn't want them to get a black mark. Um, please, can I go? And he, he said, okay, well, where's the school? And I was like, it's literally just around the corner. And, and he was like, okay, well, I'll follow you. Okay. Okay. So I basically had a police escort to school, and um, so I parked right outside the school, and um, and with this massive police van behind behind me with its sirens still going, and I'd, I was actually I wasn't having the best week, and um, so internally, and I hate being told off. I was I was literally falling apart internally, but obviously I had to look fine. And my son Raph, "Mummy, you won't go to jail, will you?" I was like. No, no, no. It'll be something to do with my driving. I wasn't speeding. I just needed to know. Anyway, the policeman was really nice. He said, take the children into school and then come back. I was like, okay. So I took them into school. Came out. Everyone was looking at me. All the parents were there. It was... Anyway, and um, he was really nice. He, basically, I, my rear light wasn't working, so that had made them look up our car. Turned out we were 10 days overdue with our MOT. And I was like, no, 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 that's not a possibility. Ed, my husband... He's organised that kind of thing. I was like, he is on it. And they were like, literally, we can show you your 10 days late. And um, so I, I didn't know. I was like, sorry. And, um, and then, of course, some really lovely friends from school walked past and asked me if I was okay. Now, I'm, I cry quite easily. I just burst into tears. But you know the tears where you then can't talk. So then I was in a situation outside school, police van, policeman, he didn't know what to do. I was going, so sorry. And um, it was awful. It was really embarrassing. And then it all got sorted. It was fine. I got a 14-day grace window. Fine. Um, And a friend of mine then said to me, "Um, there's a new garage. Our garage had closed, which is why we hadn't got the notification. There's a new garage. And she said, I sent another friend there, a Christian friend. And within a week, she had the guy who owns the garage coming to church. And I was like, that... and I got in the car and everything else. I was just like, it just struck me that there I was. I just had this encounter with the policeman. And all I had done with it was cry. And I thought, how is it that some people in situations like this meet random people in a garage and have them coming to church the next Sunday. I just thought my ministry doesn't look like that. All I can think about is, you know, getting, you know I'm, I'm absorbed in my own world. And I then thought about all these other things where you're like, gosh, how could I have spoken to the policeman about Jesus? Like, was that a situation where, you know, if I'd had the presence of mind, I would have turned the situation around and made it into this amazing story where I had told him the gospel And I sat there thinking, because I have this desire. I really want people to know Jesus because he's transformed my life on a daily basis. And yet, I seem to fall short. And, of course, then I thought about this, these verses, and I thought, well, that's because, essentially, I rely on my own strength. And I got to thinking about it, and I was thinking, if we have the Holy Spirit, which we know we do, if we become a Christian, then what is it that's not happening in my ministry? And the two things I came up with was, I think quite often we either neglect the Holy Spirit or we forget the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. So neglecting the Holy Spirit, sometimes I think we can become a Christian And we know about the Holy Spirit, and we know we've been filled with the Spirit. But we leave it at that. 
And we allow the Holy Spirit to almost be a sort of silent partner in our walk with God or as a Christian. We know he's in the room, but we don't really acknowledge him. We don't really talk to him. We don't expect him to talk to us. He's just of a silent partner, and we go on as a Christian. And I want to just give you a brief um, example of this. So one of my all-time um, inspirations has been this woman, Jackie Pullinger. And um, you may know of her, you may not. I've probably spoken to about her a lot of times. Um, when she was 20, she became a Christian and very quickly felt that she was being called to go and be a missionary. And she's, she's, she's crazy. So she got on a boat to go around the whole world, not knowing where to get off, just feeling that God would tell her where she was meant to go and be a missionary. She ends up getting off in Hong Kong. She knows no one in Hong Kong other than a policeman, and she doesn't speak any Cantonese. And she quickly came across this area called the Walled City, which was an area where it had been left under Chinese rule in Hong Kong when the rest of Hong Kong was given over to the British government. The Chinese hadn't ruled this area, so it had become a completely lawless place. And Jackie describes it in her book. It's the darkest of dark places. Every kind of crime you can imagine is there. Every kind of unhappiness you can imagine is there. This is where she feels she's called to minister. So she learns some key Cantonese phrases like, Jesus loves you. And she's, I mean, she's, she's courageous. She literally, she goes for it. She's talking to drug addicts. She's talking to women. She's telling them about Jesus. And in her early ministry, she talks about feeling like she just wasn't getting anywhere. And this is what she says. She says, sometimes I tried talking to the men who guarded the gambling dens. But when I told them that Jesus loved them, they just nodded. Yeah, yeah, how nice. That means nothing to us, they would say. And she says, of course it didn't, since most of them had no idea who Jesus was or what love was. I went on preach, preach, preach about how Jesus could give them a new life. But no one seemed to understand. She then talks about a series of encounters that she has with some other Christians. And she says she notices that they seem to sort of have something different or an access to something that she doesn't have. And she literally uses this word, power. She then gets into a bit of a theological debate with one of them because one of them says to her, you don't have this power. And she says, I do have this power because I have the Holy Spirit because I'm a Christian. So don't tell me I don't have it. She then puts theology aside and says, okay, clearly I'm obviously not accessing this power or something because I can see there's a difference in their ministry and mine. So she commits to praying every morning. And she says she prayed and prayed and prayed for the power of the Spirit to come on her, to be filled with the Spirit, like we read in the book of Acts. And then she talks about the difference that occurs. She says, about six weeks later, I noticed something remarkable. Those I talked to about Christ believed. I could not understand it and wondered how my Chinese had suddenly improved or if I had stumbled on the splendid new evangelistic technique. But I was saying the same things as before. It was some time before I realized what had changed. This time I was talking about Jesus to people who wanted to hear. And she says, now I found that person after person wanted to receive Jesus. I could not be proud. I could only wonder that God let me be a small part of his work. To me, that is a good example of the difference between knowing 
that we have the Holy Spirit and praying to be filled with the Spirit, accessing the Spirit, talking to the Holy Spirit in the room, not just letting him be this silent partner. And I read one of the things I was reading this week. It said this, unless saints know their anointing, they are helpless babes in doing the will of God. We neglect the Holy Spirit sometimes because we've never been told that there's more of him, that we can keep being filled with the Spirit. And so then we don't see things changing because we've fallen back in doing it in our own strength. Or you forget about the Holy Spirit. That's me. So I've, I've been taught and I've witnessed enough ministries to see the power of the Holy Spirit and to see how amazing it is when people are regularly being filled with the Spirit. I've experienced it myself. And yet, if I'm honest, reading this passage and doing this talk, you realize, don't you, that you've slipped back. I, um, I'd noticed recently that my eyesight wasn't very good. I said, I've got this stigmatism and I have glasses and they didn't seem to be working. And more and more I was going, oh, I'm doing it now, I'm just going around like this. And um, so I went to get some glasses and I, I got them a couple of weeks ago and I put them on and I lit, Ed was there and I was like, no! this is amazing. Like, I could see, like, I haven't seen, and like, you'd wonder why I'm not wearing them now. I, just, I hate wearing glasses, so I've just chosen to be blind. But um, I, so we went on this date night that night, and I was so annoying. I just basically kept saying to me, test me, tell, ask me if I can read that. And I'd be like, I can read it. Um, but I'd forgotten. I had forgotten how crystal clear vision can be. And it's the same with the spirit. I regularly forget the difference between walking into those school gates full of the power of the Spirit, knowing that I don't need to have the words, I don't need to conjure up situations. If I'm full of the power of the Holy Spirit, if I'm full of the power of God, he will anoint my words, he will anoint those situations. I don't have to change who I am, I'm, I don't have to stop being you know, shy or awkward, or the Lord will anoint me. But I forget, and so when the policeman's there, I, don't, I have no idea what to say to him. We forget or we neglect. And it's so easy, isn't it, to do, and it's so easy to forget. And yet, when you remember, it's also so simple to ask for the Spirit, to ask for him to come and to fill you again. There's no condemnation, it doesn't matter, because it's this living relationship with Jesus. And it's a gift. It's a gift that he wants to give us because he doesn't want us to have this burden of trying to go out and tell the story of the gospel in our own strength because he knows that that would be impossible. He sent it to be a blessing. He sent it to be something that helps us, that helps us show people the love that we ourselves have experienced. So what I wanted to do was just to take this opportunity to ask the Spirit to come, to ask him to come and fill us afresh. Now, that might sound daunting, um, but we've committed to talking about this word power, so we've got to see it through. Um, some of you, you might be new here, you might just be like, oh, goodness, I came on the wrong day. Um, don't worry, enjoy sitting, enjoy um, thinking about something else, or... Um, 
you can go back, you can listen to the talks that have led up to this one to hopefully make more sense of this one. Um, so don't be alarmed. Um, but we're going to stand, Jamie's going to come, and, um, and we're going to pray. So would you like to um, stand? Um, one of the things that I was looking at when I was thinking about this talk was how um, we're both individuals and we are the church. And so I just wanted to start by all of us having the opportunity um, just to, to be refilled with the Spirit. Um, if you've been filled with it before, then it's being refilled. If, you've n- if you're not a Christian and you've been hearing the talks and you've thought, actually, I would love to be filled with the Spirit, then this is brilliant. This is, this is a great moment. It might be that you think, oh, actually, I'm in the camp of, I never really realized I could keep being refilled, in which case this is also an amazing moment to, to grab that opportunity. Um, so I'm going to pray. And if you're up for it, if you'd like to be filled, don't be daunted. Nothing, nothing happens, like nothing changes. It's just it's a factual thing that, the, that Jesus promised that he would come by his presence and be with us by his Holy Spirit. That's what's happening. And um, so you don't have to be worried. Um, so let's pray. You could put your hands out if you would like to, just as a way of saying, I'd like to receive, um, but don't feel like you have to. Lord, I thank you um, for your word, and I thank you for just this gift that you gave us. You knew that when you left the disciples that they would be helpless without your spirit. And Lord, I thank you that that promise, that gift that you gave them is also one you give us. And Lord, I pray that wherever we are at tonight, Lord, that you would gently come and um, fill us with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would come and pour your spirit into each one of us. That you would remind us that you are not a distant God, but that you are a God that by your spirit lives in us. Lord, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you promise that when we ask for more of you, you will always give us more of you. One of the things that I think we can be guilty of is rushing um, in life. And sometimes it's, it's that, there's that verse in there, that be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we're called just to wait on him and it, um, in the silence, just let him come and fill you. We were praying earlier, one of the, um, the pictures um, that we had was of just this very, very, very dry earth. And, it, you know, when it gets so dry that it's, there's kind of cracks. And um, the picture was just of rainwater just coming and saturating the ground. And it might just be that some of you here are just like, goodness, I've forgotten. I've forgotten to ask. I've forgotten to be, put myself in his presence and so just if that's you, just receive the rainwater, just receive his spirit as, as it comes.